You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. there everybody and welcome back to circling seattle sports on converge media of course as you can see uh on the lower part of your screen i am your host as always charles hammaker uh welcome to the month of june the month of may flew by i had to update my uh my calendar uh upstairs which was i, I slacked on it a little bit so i had to go and update that uh, a little only five days behind it uh, as we are on here uh monday june 5th uh, of course for your weekly updates on your Seattle sports teams um but Considering that um, it is the month of June, it is Pride Month, or Happy Pride Month to you. Uh, for this, I'll switch out the hats. Um, uh, I wanted to come on here and begin the show by uh, saying something, because I know that a lot of the time, silence can be almost as bad uh, as, as the negativity uh, with some things. I know that, especially with Pride, there's been tons of things going on, whether it be the 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 Dodgers uninviting and then inviting this group um, and then having a Christian night, um, you know, so many, so many hurtful and, and dangerous uh, and some, in some cases, deadly laws um, against our, our, our trans friends um, in other parts of the country. And just in general, sometimes folks not feeling welcome because of who they are at, at these games. Now, um, this might be a surprise to some, and that's fine. You know, I'm very comfortable with who I am and, and what I am and all that sort of thing. Um, I, we had an HPI month last month and then Pride Month this month. So, you know, I'm feeling feeling great about that. Uh, it's, it's like my last two months. Anyway, this isn't about me. Um, I am a bisexual man, uh, you know, so I, I don't just fall into the I, I fall into this category. Right. Of Pride Month. Um and you know we we always will retweet support and reshare support you know of, of pride month of of different uh groups um and folks throughout their respective months but you know sometimes we you know it's it's a form of saying quiet effectively and, and rather than you know saying something and as part of the face of circling seattle sports and what we do here i figured that i should come on here and talk about it um Again, as a bisexual man, you know, I deal with some of these things. I was at the Seawolves game yesterday and some some fan in the bathroom was very upset that it was Pride Night, which was a little bizarre. And he was saying that this is the wrong place to be for that. And I had to correct him for that. You know, um, it can be very tough uh, to, you know, we're in 2023. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you'd, you'd think that we'd be going forward with things like this. Um, but we, we still aren't, and there are still folks who, who think one way. You've heard me say it on here. You've heard me say it, uh, whether if it's saying it on here or telling it to members of our team at Circling Seattle Sports or telling it to you know friends and supporters of what we do here at CSS. Sports are always the great unifier, and that goes across the nine pro teams that we cover, across the, uh, I believe it's 
eight semi-pro and minor league teams that we cover and eventually the University of Washington teams that we will be covering. Sports are the great unifier. I learned that in, in uh, growing up, let alone in high school. In high school, my football locker room at O'Day was filled with folks from all over the country, you know, let alone all over the world. Um, probably could flip those all over the world, let alone all over the country. Um, folks of all different nationalities and beliefs, you know, and it didn't matter because we were all focused on one thing. We all came together for one thing. Um, and it's, where is it? Yeah, this this photo of the seventeen eighteen team um, that I keep here at the the home office of sorts, right? Um, so you know, it's it, every single sport should be somewhere where people feel welcome. As I'll move it, not to look like a like I'm wearing this hat a funny way, but you know, every oops, whoop, nope, still need to go this way. Okay, Chuck, you figured it out, you know. All of these sports should be for everybody. You know, these are all essentially games that folks are playing, right? They're, they're games and then they, they're now professional or semi-pro um, where people come to enjoy themselves. You know, they come straight from work. They come with friends to these games and they're looking to have a good time. They're looking to see their favorite team win or, or play well or, you know. So when they have Pride Nights, it's very important you know, whether it be, you know, as we look at the Kraken, uh, the different nights, the different hype nights, the different hockey is for everyone nights that they celebrated, right? Those are important. I, I you know, I had folks, I heard from our photographer, Liv, uh, someone in the crowd, not the same wording, but essentially, why are we doing this, right? And that goes to Pride as well. And it doesn't go just for Pride Month. And this goes to to every month that is, is, is marked a month for a certain group, right? Um, my point is to say that myself, as you can see my name down there, and I'm looking at you right now, myself and all of our team at Circling Seattle Sports is with you, whether it be, you know, uh, just the in, through the entire scope of the LGBTQ uh, plus community, we are with you. And you are more than welcome in our comment section, um, talking to us at games, uh, reaching out. I, I try to make myself uh, reachable. You know, my face is on a lot of what we do here. You know, there's obviously Belinda, we've got Liv and Matt uh, and Brian and Liz. You know, Liz has been wearing her um, rainbow lanyard games for the credentials. Uh, you know, been happily wearing the Pride merch. The Seawolves had great Pride merch yesterday. Um, I just need people to know that they're always welcome with us, uh, whether that be at the games or in supporting their teams, because I see folks get uh, attacked for just supporting these teams. And it's like, we're literally on the same team here. Um, and so while it may have been obvious to some, maybe it's not so obvious to others, I'm going to say it outright. We are obviously very supportive of everybody here. Sports are the great unifier. I've never, ever, seen anything else that brings so many folks together whether that be in the world cup um at these games you go to a marriage game you see so many different kinds of people um at the seawolves game at the storm game the sounders game the seahawks games the rain games especially the kraken games the kraken games you know folks that i you know 
going up to Northgate for uh, for morning skate, so many Uber drivers who told me they'd never heard of hockey. They come from all over the country, all over the world, and because of what the Kraken are doing, they wanted to learn, and I did my best to you know help them with that. So I draw it out. You know, sometimes I can oversimplify things um, or over explain things, but I, I just needed to be a parent that we are with you. We support you. You're welcome with us. And that's who we are as an outlet. That's what we're always striving to be as an outlet is inclusive and supportive and to always welcome you as a fan and to provide you the best news that we can of these teams so that you can stay in the loop, not to say, you know, and, and to go back to the Dodgers thing, I grew up in a religious household. Right. And I don't sit here and, and spout bigotry or homophobia, you know, so I wanted to put that out there. I wanted to say that I wanted to begin the month. If any of that is an issue to you, I gladly would like you to first, you know, if, if you have an issue with that, try and educate yourself on what we're doing here and what, you know, a basic human right is to enjoy these things, um, these sports, let alone the other basic human rights that you're, you're angry about. But if you're still going, if you're either going to not educate yourself or you choose to uh, educate yourself and then still don't get it and you're angry about it, the door is there. I am, you know, we just hit 1500 on Twitter. Um, I don't care. We are here to cover these teams and support everybody. Everybody. So... That's how we're going to start the show off. Um, I just had to get that out there. Uh, we'll go straight into our Mariners here as we don't really have any Seahawks stuff to go over. They continue to go through OTAs, and that's sort of uh, in mandatory minicamp. So that's where they're at looking ahead schedule-wise. Mandatory minicamp uh, that starts tomorrow, June 6th through 8th, and then there are some OTA offseason workouts June 12th through 14th. We move over here to our Mariners, and man, yeah, it has been rough for our Mariners as of recently, uh, losing five of their last six. And we'll get into it here. Uh, they wrapped up their 10-game homestand uh, with a 2-1 to one series loss to the New York Yankees. The Brox Bombers um, absolutely beat down the Mariners here through the first two games, May 29th versus the Yankees, a 4-10 to 10 win. Our player of the game and photo of the game here by Lip Lions. Center fielder Julio Rodriguez. Julio, two hits, one run, three RBIs, and a solo homer on the day uh, with the trident there uh, after he had been pelted severely by, uh, by Sunflower Seeds. We go over here back May 30th, rest of the Yankees, a 2-10 to 10 loss. Our player of the game, first baseman, Ty France, the Frenchman, uh, three hits, one run, one RBI. This was a tough one. Um, Tom Murphy was ejected from the game. And then uh, in this photo here, our photo of the game by Brian Saldana uh, captured Scott Service getting thrown out of the game. Just an overall frustrating game. Um when we go over here to the last game of the series, May 31st versus the Yankees, they won a nothing win. So the Mariners were able to come back in that one, excuse me, bounce back, salvage a game, avoid being swept by the Yankees. Um, excuse me. Uh, and win one to nothing on a walk off by Cal Raleigh, which is our photo of the game here uh, by photographer Matthew Bermudez. Matthew caught that one. Uh, George Kirby caught the victory in that one. Eight innings pitched. Three hits allowed, no earned runs, no walks, and seven strikeouts for Kirby on the day to give the Mariners the win. Kirby is just so such an incredible young pitcher. Um, 
But in keeping with that, before I get to the Rangers series here, which it's not like I'm going to miss anything by going to talk about this Yankee series. It's like straighten this out. Um, yeah, man. I mean, it was tough with this Yankee series. And I had a bunch of people go, oh, they really hammered Gilbert and, and Miller. And yes, Logan Gilbert and Bryce Miller are heavy fastball throwing pitchers. The Yankees hit the fastball really well, and they hit it well with power. They're a lineup that's got a lot of power, even though they're missing uh, some notable guys like Giancarlo Stanton. Um, you know, a guy like Aaron Judge is going to swat the hell out of a fastball. You know, I got asked about uh, the Yankees tipping pitches, and I, I have nothing to say about that until there's something that's substantial about it, until something comes out about it. Um, but that's exactly it. Bryce Miller is a heavy fastball thrower right now, and it's worked for him throughout, you know, all but the last two outings that he's, uh, well, not three with this Rangers one. Um, all of the last, you know, those first few outings were really great, and he was able to work on that fastball, but everybody knew he needed to add the off speed and continue to work on his off speed pitches. The Yankees knew that. They exploited that. They chased him out of the game. Logan Gilbert. Gilbert wasn't so reliant on his fastball in this game, but they were still, oh, dang it, they were still able to get after Logan um, in that outing and and chase him out of the game. You know, so those are two guys who are young, young pitchers who, uh, obviously Miller younger than Gilbert, who have a ton of room to improve and can certainly you know continue to be good in this league, but they have to continue to develop that off speed. George Kirby came into this game, a guy who, you know, we know loads the, the loads, the strike zone. Uh, and he had an amazing game, eight innings pitch, three hits allowed. He, George Kirby continues to look like a top of the rotation kind of guy for the Mariners. Um, and with a couple injuries that are stacking up right now, he, probably will have to be that sort of guy. So that's that's what I'll say on that. We'll go over here to the Rangers series, and it's not like there's much to say about the Rangers series. I mean, this was an ugly, ugly series. Um, it's, it's hard to say much positive. June 2nd, to begin that road trip, it's an eight-game road trip. The Mariners would lose that one 0-2. Uh, Luis Castillo pitched an otherwise quality game, um, but he just couldn't get any run support. Again, how often have you heard me say, a starting pitcher has a great outing and then he couldn't get any run support. You know, I, I don't have any fun in saying it. I'm just telling you what happened. Um, you know, let's, let's, let me check in here. Well, John Gray across the way from him pitched a great game as well, but the Mariners offense needs to be able to muster more than three hits in general. Uh, yeah. Castillo seven innings pitched five hits, one run allowed. Uh, it's earned one walk and six strikeouts. I mean, one run against will do it. Will all absolutely do it, let alone only the five hits, and the Mariners couldn't put anything together. Then the reels, the wheels, the reels, Instagram reels, the wheels really fell off. June third at the Rangers, a six to sixteen loss. Our uh, play of the game, first baseman Ty France, three hits, one run, one RBI, and then to close out the series uh, and get swept. The Mariners will lose that one June 4th at the Rangers 3 to 12. Our play of the game right fielder Teoscar Hernandez Teo, two hits, one run, and one walk on the day. Not a bad day. Um, but yeah, it's it's you need to have a talk about the Seattle Mariners. Um the Mariners aren't in a really good situation right now. And normally this is where we go to the player of the game section. We don't have a player of the game because this this past six games have been horrible in exception to, you know, George Kirby's game uh, and Luis Castillo's game. It's been bad. You know, you've we've had this issue. We've had this talk before. We had it in the offseason. We had it last offseason. 
<laughs> the Mariners did not do enough in the offseason to improve their offense. Uh, there are guys slumping right now, sure, and I'll show their break out of it. Julio Rodriguez is turning a corner. Uh, Ty France is playing well. J.B. Crawford's played well. Jared Kelnick still at the 270 mark. Uh, Teo's finding some groove. But you've got some guys who just really are struggling. Tom Murphy had an okay month of May. Cal Raleigh had been having a strong month of May. Uh, the second base spot is kind of a black hole at the moment. You know, uh, Jose Caballero, after uh, really lighting it up to begin in things, is is kind of struggling. Colton Wong, I, I really want to support Colton, I really do, has struggled on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball. Gino uh, is a 210 batting average, not good. Um, and the bench players, I mean, Haggerty's been been fine, but not great. Mike Ford was finally called up, and we'll get to that here when we get to team-related notes. But, excuse me, Mike Ford was never the answer at the uh, designated hitter, uh, despite how many people clamored for him to get called up and thinking that he was essentially the Messiah. Uh, A.J. Pollock is fine. Uh, Tommy Lasella was a joke of an addition. Cooper Hummel is is probably going to hang around in triple a so it's like you you really did not do enough in the offseason and everybody knew that everybody knew that uh, um it was thought that this team was only one bat away from being a, a, a division contender uh contender for the top of the division and it now appears that you need more than just the one bat you've got robbie ray out for the year marco gonzalez is injured we'll get to that in a second um it doesn't look great for the Seattle Mariners right now. Any hopes of them winning the division seem to be dashed after the way that the Rangers pummeled them in the way that the Rangers have been playing outside of when they play the Mariners. You know, Bruce Bochy um, and this really talented lineup that they have in terms of the offensive and pitching sides of the ball has things clicking right now. How long that lasts, I don't know. But, you know, when they've got a manager like Bochy, who is a proven winner, it, it that was a scary move, to be honest with you. So... It's a it's a hard time right now for the Seattle Mariners. Um, you know they're they're got what five games left on this road trip, so you know there's some opportunity to start finding some things. You know they're not necessarily too far out of the running yet. They're not Oakland, um, but you really would have to hit some strides and start to beat these good teams. Um, you know, it's it's why these the sweeps of the athletics were were great, but they were necessary. They were basically bare minimum. It was like I needed you to do this anyway. And when you barely beat the the athletics twice in that last four game set that you played them, it was uh, a little scary. It was a little scary because it was like, why are we having to hold on late in a one run game against this Oakland Athletics team that's already made a fool of themselves multiple times in this game? Right. So, you know, the Mariners continue to waste excellent pitching performances. They just don't look ready. It's not like there's anybody in AAA that you can call up and be the savior. None of there, there really is no answer for that. Um, you've got four of the top five guys who have struck out the most in baseball are Seattle Mariners. Um, it's not looking great. And I know there have been clamors for the hitting coach to be fired. I know there have been uh, talks um, from some folks who know baseball well, who think that's a foolish idea, but something's going to happen soon. You know, it's, it's really not looking good. Uh, and it's a struggle. 
it's a struggle right now. You know, we're not at the halfway mark of the year yet. We're not at the all-star break. The Mariners will still have to add Penn Murphy and Andres Munoz back um, from injury, but it's it's been a real struggle. It has been a real struggle. Um, we'll continue here with injury-related news. Um, on the 30th, relief pitcher Andres Munoz began his rehab assignment with AAA Tacoma. On June 2nd, left-handed pitcher Marco Gonzalez uh, was dealing with a forearm injury and was placed on the 15-day injured list. He felt discomfort in his last outing and still didn't feel great on a bullpen that he threw after that outing. So that's where Marco is, and that's what's going on with him. Uh, June 3rd, uh, shortstop J.B. Crawford banged knees at second base and missed the following game on the fourth. Uh, he should be good to go Tuesday against the Padres, uh, but there wasn't a clear guarantee. Yesterday, June 4th, Penn Murphy uh, began his rehab assignment with the Tacoma Rainiers. Uh, looking at maybe seeing Mooney join the team on Tuesday or Wednesday uh, and sweeping Murphy to join the team on the weekend. So uh, we continue here with team-related news on the 30th, as I mentioned. Oh, I didn't mention that. I said he was turning a corner. Uh, center fielder Julio Rodriguez was named the AL Player of the Week. Uh, the 22-year-old batted a 467 batting average with six runs, four doubles, two homers, seven RBIs, one hit by pitch, and one stolen base while reaching base at a 44 clip and slugging 800 for a 1.284 OPS during the week. That's insane. Um so it's nice to see Julio at the time when that was announced, he had an eight game hitting streak that would come to an end. I believe the next game, um, it would be the second time he's earned that honor last doing so June 27th through July 3rd last year. Um, so good to see that for Julio. I mean, especially, you know, seeing him get going and I talked about it, uh, I believe last week, uh, after that Oakland series, I said, this is what you kind of need to see him get going um, is seeing a week like this where he really just starts to click. Um, also on the day, there were two roster moves. Right-handed pitcher Darren McCacken was recalled from AAA Tacoma. As a resulting move, Juan Ten was sent down to AAA Tacoma. We've got some shifting here the last few days. On the 31st, relief pitcher Matt Fester was recalled from the Rainiers, while Darren McCacken was sent down to the Rainiers. On the 1st, Infielder Mike Ford was recalled from Tacoma, and outfielder Taylor Trammell was optioned to Tacoma. On the second, as a resulting move to Marco's injury, uh, Brian Wu was called up from AA Arkansas and uh, failed to get out of the first two innings. It's a tough situation to put Brian Wu in, especially considering who it was against uh, with the Rangers and having one of, if not the best offense in all of baseball. Um, I think he'll be fine. I really think he'll be fine to put him in there, though, in his major league debut against the Rangers, though, this current Rangers team. It's a hard ask. It's a hard ask. So the Mariners sit at a 29 and 30 record. They are fourth in the American League West right now. They had been third for the past week, but that changed. Um, Oops. This is wrong. This is wrong. Let me see. Hmm. Well. I don't have the first two games uh, against the Padres here for you. They'll play June 6th and 7th at the Padres. The 6th is a 640 first pitch, and the 7th is a 110 first pitch. Then they go down to play the Angels, who are still hanging around the 500 mark. Um, June 9th through 11th through 9th is a 638 p.m. first pitch. June 10th is a 707 p.m. first pitch. And then June 11th is a 1.07 p.m. first pitch as the Mariners uh, will play two California teams and will look to find some sort of traction after really sliding and sliding hard um, 
this past week when they played the Yankees and the Rangers. We will now move over here to our Seattle Storm, who haven't really seen a ton of success, but their games are getting closer. The, the, the games are tight that they're playing. They haven't won a game yet, but the games that they're playing um, are nice and tight. So it could be coming. I'm not sure. Uh, we look here. Uh, the past week, two games played for the Storm, May 30th versus the New York Liberty, a returning Brianna Stewart. Seattle lose that one, 78 to 86. Our first player of the game, uh, shooting guard Jewel Lloyd, who is in our photo of the game here by Liz Walter. Uh, 26 points, three rebounds, and one assist for Jewel. Our player of the game, number two, power forward slash center, Ezzy Magbagor. The Australian big posted 12 points, 14 rebounds, two assists, two steals, and three blocks on the day. So Ezzy was all over the court really um this was a tough one i mean obviously the liberty are considered one of the best teams in all the WNBA and considered one of the top two mega super teams so to say um and it's it's uh yeah that was tough the storm stayed in that game just about all game long um but can never really close the gap in a third quarter by the Liberty, the end of the third quarter, really what was uh, really what separated uh, the storm and the Liberty and this game potentially, you know, being a win or an overtime game for the storm. Excuse me, June 3rd, as the storm hit the road for the first time this year at the, excuse me, at the LA sparks was an 85 to 92 loss. Um, it was a tough one, too. I mean, Drew Lloyd put up a superhero-type effort um, in that game, but it ultimately wasn't enough. Uh, as Seattle couldn't get enough out of the rest of their uh, roster. Uh, Drew Lloyd, obviously, our player of the game. Uh, 37 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, and 1 block. So if we had to pick a player of the week, it would be Drew Lloyd. But things continue to struggle. Um for the rest of the roster here, their own four, yes, but outside of the first game of the year against the Aces, which was the biggest differential in points uh, that the Storm have ever suffered, the biggest loss the team has ever suffered in franchise history, Seattle's been in these games. They've been in these tight games. Uh, Jade Melbourne has played better minutes, and I'm wondering when it is uh, that she's a starter at this point for the team. Uh, it's been interesting to see Ivana Doikic's minutes kind of just disappear. I thought that she was able to bring in good spark for this team, uh, but she really hasn't seen too much going on for her lately. Um, as I try to bring things up here um, just to kind of get a look at things. But yeah, it, it, it continues to be the Jewel Lloyd show and we're not seeing enough support for Lloyd here, whether it be off the bench um, or for most of the starters, really. I know that, uh, Kia Nurse had a quality game against the Wings, but otherwise has kind of been quiet, um, unfortunately, because I know that was a, kind of a move that I was excited about seeing Kia come off of injury and hoping that, you know, it was kind of like a, I'm going to go and prove things kind of thing, uh, kind of situation. I apologize. Um, but that just really hasn't been the case um, yet. Yet. You know, we look here. uh mm. Oh, the day before. Sorry, again, I'm trying to pull up the these box scores here so we can get a more complete sort of idea um, of what we're looking at, at least over the past two games, at least over the Liberty and the uh, the Sparks game. We look at the Sparks game, you know, 
first quarter was tied. We went into this game at halftime tied. Uh, yeah, and it was ultimately that third quarter, LA kind of got some push um, and got the win. Ezzy put up 14 points in that game, almost another double-double uh, for Ezzy. Mercedes, six points is fine. Uh, Yvonne Turner, five five points, three rebounds, three assists, one block. See, that's the kind of effort, though, that would be fine off the bench. We've got Keeners, Keeners, two for nine, uh, six points, three rebounds, two assists, two steals. Two for nine shooting, one for four from the three. That won't simply cut it, you know, going forward. Simon Whitcomb, unfortunately, hasn't really been able to find her stride either, going 0 for 4 in this game with only one point on a free throw. Uh, Jade Melbourne, 10 points off the bench, five rebounds, two assists, and a steal. A big steal at the end of that game. Uh, Jordan Horston, four points as she continues to find her groove, two for five. Uh, Rella Garantes only played one minute. I don't like that. I'd like to get a Rella. Yeah, Ivana Doikic did not play at all. Um, Kyla Charles, two points, eight minutes. One shot. So it's like you're not getting enough from your shooters here in terms of Nurse and Whitcomb. Um, as as your rookie, Horston continues to kind of uh, battle into things here. We look at that Liberty game, and it's going to be mostly the same sort of stuff. Mercedes and Ezzy, you know, both in double digits. I obviously mentioned the double-double for Ezzy. Yvonne Turner, six points. One rebound, one assist. Again, these are things that can come off the bench. Only 12 minutes, which is uh, less... Uh, Mercedes Russell, who played the second least amount of minutes, played double the amount of minutes that Yvonne Turner played. Um, uh, in this game, again, Kianer, same thing. Two for nine, one for four from three, and five points. Uh, Sammy had a better game in here. Four for eight from the field. Uh, three for five sh- uh, from beyond the arc. 11 points total. Better game there for her. Jordan struggled in this one. Two for 11, four points. And then Kyla Charleston play any minutes at all. Uh, she played 26 seconds or so. Arela Garantes only played three minutes. I don't like that. I really don't like that. Dorcas didn't play at all. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's It's been interesting uh, seeing the way that this roster shapes out and it will continue to shape out considering we're only four games into it. Um, you're just not getting enough from your shooters. You're not giving enough support to Joe Lloyd. They really don't have a s- consistent second score. It's becoming as he magbagore at this point. But, yeah, uh, that's one of my big storylines is wondering when we see Jade Melbourne really step in as the starter because it seems like it's inevitable. You know, I know she's young. I know it's her first year in the W, but that's what I've said that this team is going to be about, is about going in there and letting the young young players develop for the Storm. So, I ah, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Looking ahead, as I mentioned, the Storm are 0-4. They're 6 in the Western Conference now. They would have been worse. They would have been 5th. But the Minnesota Lynx won their first game of the year. So Seattle remains the only team who has not won a game yet in the WNBA. Uh, looking ahead, June 6th versus the Sparks at home is their next game. They'll play the next three games at least, at least over the course of the next week at home. Uh, that game against the Sparks is a 7 p.m. tip-off. That is on CBS SN, CBS Sports Network, so that you can find out where that is. And then these next two games after that are both against the Washington Mystics, both of them at home. Uh, June 9th versus the Mystics uh, is a 7 p.m. tip. And then June 11th against the Mystics is a 12 p.m. tip. That game is on ABC. Interestingly enough, I don't know how long that will last. Um, yeah, well, I don't know if they can flex things. I don't think they do the flexing uh, here. But yeah, those next two games at home for the Storm, which is nice, you know, to continue to have games at home uh, with this young team, continue to develop, get comfortable, uh, grow the team chemistry. Uh, as Drew Lloyd mentioned, um, 
after that game against the Liberty. Yes. Uh, we look over here to our Sounders who continue to kind of trudge along. They really, after that really hot start to begin the year, they really haven't had any consistent traction. Uh, and that continues this past week. Uh, we look here to their match on May 31st versus San Jose. An 0-2 loss. Our player of the game, none, because he got shut out. Um yeah, the Sounders just really haven't been able to find that consistent offensive traction. They continue to generate chances, but they're not converting them. So it's like the con- the generation is great, but if you're not converting, it doesn't really matter. Oh, it was a one to nothing loss. I apologize. It was a one to nothing loss. Um, you know, giving up one goal. Uh, our photo of the game here by Brian Saldana here with Hibert, who is uh, near the top of the league uh, in missed chances. Uh, talking here, it's just kind of Hibera's face kind of generates uh, generates. I'm used to saying that word. Demonstrates the struggles here from Sounders fans and the team as a whole as they continue to miss uh, miss out on points, drop points, split points, however you want to put it, um, as the season rolls on. You know, and that was the same case here as the Sounders played the first game uh, of the Seattle versus Portland doubleheader. It was a scoreless draw. Um, our player of the game would be goalkeeper Stefan Fry. Steph with his 100th career clean sheet. So congratulations to Steph on that. Great to see that. He is now third on the all-time list in MLS. Our first photo of the game here by Liz Walter. Leo True, uh, his expression here, again, it kind of demonstrates how the fans and the team feels as they continue to miss out on chances. Um, on our other photo of the game here by Liv Lyons, you can see uh, the Portland head coach, Gio, Giovanni Savarisi, uh, <laughs> kind of gesturing in the director of Brian Schmetzer on the left. Schmetz has his hands in his pockets um, as that game got chippy throughout it. Because obviously it is Seattle versus Portland. So, I mean, again, as I've mentioned, the Sounders continue to generate chances. They're just not converting them. Uh, obviously, it's tough being without Jordan Morris. Obed Vargas is out on um, international duty. Christian Roldan and Raul Ruiz Diaz came in in the 57th minute. So they will continue to help and be around for this club, which will be big. You know, having those two guys uh, in their respective roles is huge for this club. Uh, you'd like to have Jordan Morris back, obviously. Um with the way that things are playing out, he gave himself a two-week timeline, which should be fine. We may see him by the LAFC match, certainly not for the Charlotte match. Um, it's tough. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. The defense hasn't exactly been playing horrible. You know, Steph's been pretty solid in that. Um I haven't been giving up a crazy amount of chances on the defensive end of things. It's the offensive end of things. You know, giving up one goal would be fine, usually. Uh, the Sounders just, again, they're not converting their chances. Uh, and eventually you'd think with how many they've been generating that eventually it would click and they'd be able to break through. I don't know when that's going to happen. I really don't. You know, you've gotten quality minutes from some of the younger players on this roster, Reed Baker-Whiting. Uh, I obviously mentioned Obed Vargas, Cody Baker, uh, Josh Atencio, Dylan Tevez. So the chances are being generated. They're being generated. They're just not being converted. And it's obviously frustrating to split points with Portland. Um, and then you've got Charlotte up here. You're going to face Charlotte on the road for the first time ever. You get in a little bit of an international break, and then you have to go and play LAFC, which will be no easy feat. So it's not going to be easy. You know, the Sounders had great opportunity to create distance between themselves and the second spot in the West, uh, excuse me, throughout the month of May. And they didn't do that. You know, now they're in second because St. Louis took over. I just checked it this morning. Uh, so it's, it's going to be a battle if they want the top of the West, obviously the top of the West isn't 
the end all be all for the playoffs, but you would have liked to see that. I mean, with the way that they shot up to the top and they easily could have kept that spot and they didn't do so. So, you know, um, we look ahead here to next week for our Sounders, who sit at an eight-win, six-loss, three-draw record at 27 points on the year. Uh, they're fifth in all of MLS and second in the Western Conference. Their next match is June 10th at Charlotte FC, which is a 4.30 p.m. Pacific time start. We move over here to just a little bit of news for our Kraken as they continue throughout the course of their offseason. Um, on Wednesday, May 31st, uh, General Manager Ron Francis signed a three-year extension throughout the course of the 2026 season. Pardon me. He has signed through the course of the 2026-2027 season. Uh, it's a three-year deal, as mentioned. Uh, in talking with several folks, whether it was Kraken co-owner Samantha Holloway, uh, Chief Executive Officer Todd Laiwicki, or Francis himself. This was just something that was eventually coming, really. Um, it was an obvious move. Uh, Lewicki said, I think it's an obvious window. He was going into last year and he wanted to stay. We wanted him to stay. It was the easiest discussion ever. He's not done here. Uh, and Lewicki really drove that point home. Uh, and it just makes a ton of sense. I mean, especially considering the way that this roster has been built and the young prospect pool that's going on here. I know I've talked about it the last few weeks, uh, whether it be on here or in general. Um, I know folks around the national media are like, oh, Seattle's draft pool is one of the worst uh, just because how young they are. I'm like, well, I mean, if you're discrediting who we have currently, there's a ton of talent in the Kraken prospect pool. Uh so I think that's silly, um, but no, it was it was really fun to talk to to hear about about this extension from Todd Lewicki, from Francis, from Holloway. Uh, one of my favorite quotes, which I thought stood out, uh, was Lewicki said that Ron was fundamental in building our facilities, locker rooms, and Coachella Valley. In fact, he got his family involved. I remember a long weekend where he got drawings back, and they weren't what he wanted, so he canceled family plans plans and gathered around the living room table and rebuilt those so um that it wasn't something that i really thought francis was involved in um with those facilities so that was interesting uh hearing about how coachella valley was treated like it was a big time big league team um and you see now they're playing tonight game six of the western conference finals of the calder cup playoffs so um it's been very interesting to hear about that and it, it really seems like Francis was such a huge, huge factor um, in a lot of what the Kraken organization does. So it, this, again, this was a move that made total sense. Um, yeah, just made total sense. So we head over here to our old rain who um, kind of an up and down week for the rain here. Uh, obviously I mentioned the Seattle versus Portland doubleheader and we'll get to that, but it started on May 31st against the San Diego wave on the road in a challenge cup match. Uh, the rain would win that one three to nothing. Our player of the game defender, Ryan Brown, Brown scored the opening goal of the match. And it was her, I believe it was our first pro goal. Um, yes. Her first pro goal uh, to open up the match there, Olivia Athens and, Jordan Heidema would both score as Claudia Dickey got the start and goal and got the clean sheet. Uh, so a nice effort there. The rain remain at the top of the Western division um, of the NWSL for the challenge cup. Uh, but we go over here to this match against Portland in the double header. Things aren't so positive necessarily uh, a two, nothing loss here uh, in this match. Uh, with shutouts, don't usually, again, give players of the match. Sofia Huerta created four chances on the match. You could go with Sofia. 
um, Valentilis Joyce in that really played a quality game. Uh, the story of this game was really that Portland found two pockets of opportunity and took chances and scored on those two chances. Um, Sophia Smith, who's one of the best players in the world, uh, I would argue, and one of the best players in the NBSL, um, found a pocket early in the first half and was able to score on that. And then later in the match to really put the dagger in Christine Sinclair, uh, who's made some lovely, lovely comments about Seattle. Um, Oh, Lenovo scared me. I thought I had some sort of warning Uh, scored later to really put the dagger in just like I talked about in the Sounders segment of things. um, The rain really weren't able to convert their chances. It was a big, big, um, there were several chances generated. There was some quality stuff, some quality pressure put on in the second half, but the rain weren't able to pull through and, and find the back of the net against Bella Bixby in Portland. Um, and they dropped this one. So we'll go to our players' photos of the match here. Uh, this one by Liz Walters. You can see Fallon with the uh, Thorns players in the foreground um, celebrating a goal there, which I, I really love the framing of this photo. Um, and then this one as well by our photographer, Liv Lyons. Uh, after uh, the Sophia Smith goal, uh, Quinn uh, walking off the pitch while walking on the pitch here and sort of some disappointment uh looking looking you know the 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 win over san diego as i mentioned good to get that to continue to build in the challenge cup um towards that prize money um uh, remain atop the western division that's great that's great it's great to see ryan ryan brown score and continue to play some solid minutes she'll be needed um when the world cup break comes around olivia athens getting on the board a few days before her birthday so happy late birthday to olivia athens uh jordan heidema to continue to kind of roll especially in challenge cup matches um as the 2023 season progresses on this portland match i mean you know it's portland yes it's very frustrating to lose the portland yard rival um especially considering that they really only found two pockets and they scored on those two pockets um it's not as worrisome as the Gotham match where you kind of got decimated and you were left wondering what's going on. You've got all these internal questions. Yes, the finishing needs to be addressed. Yes, uh, the rain need to be better in terms of that. Because um, especially as of late, if we go to the rain's recent run of form in terms of how they've been scoring, hasn't necessarily been great. Um, yeah, nothing against Portland, uh, not Challenge Cup. Four to one, yes, that's quality against Angel City. One to four against Gotham. Uh, you lose, you don't score against Courage in that loss. Score two against Houston. You draw against Angel City. It's kind of been here and there. You know, that the April, April was solid because you, you had that game uh, against Chicago where you score five to two. You beat Angel City two to nothing before that. But I understand in soccer, you're not going to win five to two all the time. But just seeing the amount of chances generated um, and not being able to convert is frustrating. I know that the rain do have some, a good amount of players on, on injured, you know, with Roosevelt still being out and probably being out until the world cup. Uh, Angelina is still out. Um, she may be getting there. Uh, Luani is still working through training. And so getting up and to being ready for the NWSL level, um, Phoebe McLaren continues to be out with that back injury. So that's tough. And just Fishlock, I didn't even mention that. I apologize. Just Fishlock wasn't even uh, available for this Portland game. She was a late, um, a last minute sort of out. She wasn't on the injury list. Uh, we had seen her the day before uh, for the joint press conference that was done. Um, she just didn't play in this one. She picked up a late injury per Laura Harvey. So hoping that isn't something that keeps her out. Um 
long term. But yeah, I mean, the rain did not have essentially their heartbeat in this match against Portland. And, you know, uh, our friend Bella, Bella Munson mentioned that <laughs> having just Fishlock not play against Portland is like a sin. It's against nature. Yeah, she was right. So uh, that was frustrating. But in terms of the general week, as we move over here to team-related news, there's some good stuff here um, in team-related news. The first bit of news on May 31st, the club appointed Leslie Galmore as the general manager. She now oversees all areas of the club's first team operations. Uh, Gallimore joins the club after serving as commissioner of the girls Academy since June of 2020, excuse me, when the development program was first formed under Gallimore's leadership, the girls Academy has become the leading youth development platform for female soccer players throughout the United States. In only three years, uh, the Academy has helped develop over 13,000 female athletes in 91 clubs. Wow. Uh, making an immediate impact towards the growth of the sport in the U.S. Additionally, within the first two years of the GA League's official launch, over 1,000 players have committed to continue their soccer journey at the collegiate level. Uh, Gallimore is rooted in the Pacific Northwest. She spent 26 years uh, and seasons with the University of Washington women's soccer team as the second head coach in program history. From 94 to 2019, the former Husky coach made 15 NCAA tournament appearances, broke numerous records, and twice earned Pac-12 Coach of the Year awards in 2000 and 2019, becoming only one of five uh, Pac-12 coaches to ever do so. Following her career at UW, she was inducted into the Washington Youth Soccer Hall of Fame in 2019 in recognition for over 20 years of excellence coaching players on and off the field, joining O'Reilly Academy Executive Director Amy Griffin in this honor. I could go on about Gallimore's accomplishments, honestly, but... Uh, I had known that last week, I think I might have mentioned it on the uh, segment last week, that the Reign were close to naming a new general manager. But to see it happen, to see it someone who's local, who knows a lot of these players already, um, and has a long quality background um, uh, of qualifications is, is solid. You know, I know that it was, there was a lot really going around the club with, um, not having a dental manager and being up for sale and all, all this sort of stuff. But so to see someone like Gallimore uh, be appointed, we've got her uh, opening press conference tomorrow, June 6th. Um, that was really great to see personally. So um, we move forward here. More good news on June 2nd, the club extended Ford Elise Bennett. So Gallimore went straight to work um, extending the Ford out of the university of uh, Washington state university. I apologize. Right state wrong school um bennett was the seventh overall pick in the 2022 draft by kansas city obviously being traded here uh, to the rain she's extended through the 2024 nwsl season with an additional year option um per league and club policy financial terms of the deal were not disclosed as they never are um, bennett has played in every regular season game except for once since entering the league in 2022 appearing uh, earning 30 appearances, eight starts, and recording four goals and three assists in that time period. After acquiring, acquiring Bennett through a trade um, ahead of the 2023 draft, the second-year forward has contributed in all 12 matches for the Reign across all competitions, making her one of three players on the team to do so. That's pretty impressive. I really have liked seeing Bennett here. I know she's a Cougar, uh, Wazoo stuff, uh, UW stuff regardless. Um, Bennett brings a really quality physical presence up top, and has has been providing some danger up top in the last few matches for the rain. So I've 
thought this, I mean, just a one-year deal, it's quality. And then you've got the option, too, if you like what she does next year. Just uh, As I mentioned, at the height of team news, when I said it's a lot of positive, it's a good, it's it's a positive uh, signing here. And again, I mentioned Gallimore straight to work. Uh, we go over here to June 5th today, this morning. Uh, two rain players were named to the best 11 of May in the NWSL. Uh, the first... We got Megan Rapino, so the forward, one of the Rain Originals, obviously notched four assists in the month of May. She earned her first assist of the month against the Dash uh, on Veronica Latsko's game-winning goal. Rapino continued to shine in May, earning her first ever three-assist performance in the Reign's 4-1 to win over Angel City. With those four assists in May, Rapino became the OL Reign all-time assist leader with 25. It's her uh, eighth time being named the NWSL Best 11 of the Month. And she's now tied for fourth most team of the month honors in the NWSL. Uh, the other one, I mentioned her name already, for Veronica Latsko. Uh, Latsko had a three-goal month for the Reign, beginning her scoring on May 6th in the Reign's win against the Dash, as I mentioned. The Tenacious forward scored the opening goal of the match in the 53rd minute, marking her first of the 2023 season. Later on in that match in the 68th, she assisted uh, her teammate in the second goal with a cross to forward Jordan Heidema. Lasko also recorded her first ever brace in the month of May against Angel City. Uh, as you can see in the photo there, uh, her goals were two minutes and 16 seconds apart, making her the second fastest player to record a brace for the rain since Nahomi Kawasumi in 2014 at two minutes and 13 seconds. Lasko finished the match against Angel City with a career high six shots. Uh, and it's her first time ever being named to the NSL best 11 of the month. So congratulations there uh, to Ronnie. So we look ahead here for our rain who will try to sort of bounce back from this loss to Portland um, when it's a rematch of the NWSL semifinal against Kansas City. The rain set at a four win, five win, pardon me, four loss, one draw record. They are fifth in the league table at 16 points. They're first in the uh, Challenge Cup standings of the challenge, first in the West Division of the Challenge Cup with seven points. Their next match, June 10th versus the Kansas City Current. That is a seven o'clock game that is here at Lumen um, in Seattle. Let me get what that's on in case you would like to watch that. I encourage you highly to go to that match. It is the Pride match, um, and we'll be there for that, of course. That will be on Paramount Plus, and if you have TSN Plus, it will be on TSN Plus. I do not. I'm not Canadian. Um we move over here. You got the smile on my face. We move over here and mention Pride Month, uh, Pride Match, uh, to our Seawolves, who last night against the Utah Warriors hosted their Pride Night, uh, had a bunch of festivities. They had the Quake rugby team out there uh, for halftime and selling at the merch table. They had trophy cupcakes with uh, Pride-inspired Seawolf cupcakes. Um, Miss Olympia, Olympia? No, I believe it was Miss Olympics. Uh, Washington was there. Uh, it was a fun night. It was a really fun night. It was a fun night because Seals won uh, as well. June 4th versus the Utah Warriors, a 27 to 20 win. Our player of the month, player of the match, pardon me, was probably could be player of the month, uh, wing Ina Futi. Ina, one try scored, five points scored, 37 kicking meters, nine ball carries, and 118 running meters. This was a really physical match um, against Utah. It probably was going to be anyway. Utah fighting um, to beat the Seawolves and to climb higher in the Western Conference. The Seawolves get off to a nice start. Ina scored that try in the fifth minute to really get things going. Um, 
Utah responded 12 minutes later with a try of their own, but they missed the conversion kick. So they were trailing seven to five um, on a penalty. Samu Manoa, uh, the hitman, uh, would score off of a passes from, I believe it was first Jake Turnbull, and then it was Rhino Herbst. Uh, Rhino got the pass to Samu. Samu barreled in, scored that try, uh, and would put it at 14 to five. Utah would be able to score towards the end of the half with some great passing downfield, sending us into the half uh, with the Seals down uh, by, I believe it's just a point. Yes, it was 15 to 14. My apologies. The second half was kind of slow. The next two scores were both by Jordan Chait um, on kicks to put it at 20 to 15. it was then just kind of a slugfest uh, as the Seawolves really just kind of grounded out. That Seawall defense was huge. Uh, the Warriors were knocking on a few times down on the try line, down trying to score. The Seawall defense came up really big uh, to just get the ball out and sort of revert, uh, reset possession. My apologies. Um, before Big Ben Landry was able to score a try in the 72nd minute to put it at 27 to 15, you think, okay. Maybe it's over, but immediately after Utah was able to come down the field and score a try to put it at 27 to 20, uh, Seattle was able to grind out the rest of the match there uh, with the ball right down near the try line and would able to finish it out 27 to 20. And they clinch uh, a playoff berth. They are playoff bound. They've got two games left in the regular season, um, but they are playoff bound. A little negative. Uh, there were some some noticeable injuries in this match. AJ Alatimu had a visible limp as he left the match at half and had ice on his knee. Uh, MJ uh, Mazamu Majola had a arm sling at half. Uh, Rhino Herbst had a arm sling post-match. Uh, but it does appear we might get Rico Tadding uh, back next week when the team hosts New England, who's at the top of the Eastern Conference. Um, but the big thing for this UL team has been their depth. Hadding talked about it with me post game, mentioned how, you know, didn't really have this sort of depth last year and how so many guys came into this match um, and really made a big difference uh, to come in and help with those guys injured. And that was apparent um, as the Seawolves won that one and clinched their spot. They are going to be one of the top two teams in the Western Conference in the playoffs. Uh, There's still a slim chance that they get the first seed. There's some things that need to happen. Uh, these next two weeks, and it's not going to be easy these next two weeks. Um, the Seawolves sit in a 12-2 and record at 58 standing points. They're second in all of MLR and second in the Western Conference. Next, I talk about conferences. Their next matchup is June 11th at Starfire Stadium versus the New England Free Jacks, who lead the Eastern Conference and are tied with the Seawolves in the league at 58 points. Uh, that game is at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. That's a big, that's a big, big showdown. Uh, and Seattle has two of those to close out the regular season because the last game of the regular season is on the road in San Diego against their arch rivals, the Legion, who lead all of MLR and they lead the Western Conference. So it's not going to be any easy. Uh, the path of the first seed still exists. Uh, but the, the main point here is that the Seawolves have clinched a playoff spot. And for that reason, um, they're my star of the week. The, this photo here by Liz Walter. Uh, they're my start of the week. I mean, the Seawolves uh, are still a club that are not paid as much attention to as the other Seattle teams. And that's, again, why we're here. That's why we're on site yesterday. We provide the Seawolves coverage. Is This is a team that won 
the league, won the title in the first two years that MLR existed. Uh, they could have won it last year against New York. They were able to come short. Um, now they're playoff bound again this year. Uh, they're going to get their captain back in the next few weeks, uh, who's been a huge, huge part of that. Has still been around the club. He was last night, as I mentioned. Talked to him post game. Um, they're a deep team. They've got depth. Uh, there's a lot of quality on this team. So it's been really great to watch the Seawolves throughout the course of the year. Uh, and they've still got two games of the regular season, and they've got playoffs coming up. So I encourage you um, to come down to Starfire, to come see a Seawolves match. Their last game of the regular season is June 11th, 730 kick um, at Starfire. Uh, and then they've got at least one home game in the playoffs. So we'll have to see when that gets sorted out. But it'll be a lot of fun. The Seawolves matches are great. Great atmosphere last night on a Sunday night. Uh, turned out for Pride Night. So it was a lot of fun. But so that'll wrap up the course of the week uh, for our episode of CSS on Converge for June 5th. June 5th. Yes, we're in the month of June here. Um, just great to be here with you, really. Uh, again, I want to reiterate what I said at the top of the show. Um, circling Seattle Sports and all that we do, all of our team um, is for everybody. We welcome everybody to our coverage and to who we are. Um, you know, there, there's nothing that's, you know, separating us. Sports are always the great unifier. They've always been the great unifier. Um, and I want everybody here that supports us or, or, you know, follows us, interacts with us to know that they are welcome uh, with us as we enjoy these teams, you know, so until I see you next week, June 12th, uh, you know, the weather's been pretty nice. Uh, we've got the, the short sleeves on, so that's nice. Uh, until I see you then, take care of yourselves, be well, enjoy the weather, know that you are welcome. Happy Pride Month, and I hope that you have a great rest of your day, rest of your month, rest of your week. Just take care of yourself above all else. I'll see you then. Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.